The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. As we ended Chapter 21, we had learned the following. First, we learned how Malinthorn repented and became Mr. Alistair. Seems like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? <laughs> then, we learned that Cassandra is a soul-sucking bitch that tries to hide behind a beautiful young skin that she's probably stolen from some unfortunate soul. If you ask me, she reminds me of... Well, never mind. We don't wish to upset anyone now, do we, Mr. Williams? Next, we learned how Maggie became a crow. I hope that doesn't get her feathered down. <laughs> and lastly, how Jonah became Uriel's apprentice. So, what's missing? What did I forget to tell you? It seems to me... Oh, right. Sam. Well... Shall we listen to the epilogue and find out? Before we do, let me please remind you that this podcast does contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and <laughs> naughty, salty language. Mm. And may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. Now, let us wrap up this story and this Tentacle Tuesday with Chapter 22! Epilogue and or many pottings. <laughs> Uriel and Jonah made their way through the old cemetery towards the cottage that sat just outside the east gate, overlooking a lush, grassy hillside and a long, winding river. Its windows were emanating a warm glow from the flicker of candles and the fireplace. The whole place seemed to have an ambiance of welcome home. As they neared the gate, Uriel paused briefly at an old tombstone that read, Alice Stevens, devoted wife of Wilfred Stevens, mother of Drew, Drake, and Beatrice, beloved sister of Jack Stevens, May 12, 1349 through 1391. Uriel ran her hand over the top and seemed to have a sad smile. Getting to know Jack also meant getting to know his family, especially his sister. With the exceptions of the mother of Grace Incarnate, she was perhaps the most gentle, loving woman that ever lived. As she did this, Jonah couldn't help but take notice of everything with a deep fascination. As they neared the cottage door, Uriel could hear Jack calling out to someone, Warren? Yes, Grandpa? Can you get the door? We seem to have a very unusual visitor. Yes, sir. The door swung open, and a young man with dark hair and eyes stared up at her and Jonah. Hello? Can I help you? Yes. I'm looking for Jack Stevens, is he? Yariel? Is that you? A voice clamored from within the cabin. Come in, come in. My goodness, it has been a long time. Hello, Jack. You look well. Ha! He laughed. You're just being polite. I've gotten quite old these last few months. <laughs> she smiled. It was true. And it was the nature of what Jack was and what he had given up. So, 
What brings you to my door, and who is this young man? This is Jonah. He's going to be my apprentice. You? Yariel? An apprentice? <laughs> that had to cause quite a stir, <laughs> Jack stated. Yes, yes it has. But you know I can't refuse his request, she said gently. No, no, definitely not. Not when he's involved, Jack acknowledged, and then said, Excellent, excellent, and <laughs> where's my manners? Please, sit. Besides, Jack, Uriel said as she entered the room. It was cozy, and a pot of something splendid cooked over the fire. Uriel continued, I also need a safe place to keep this. She held out the newly forged Eos Delection. Is that the Lumen Shum? Jack said, not recognizing the blade, which seemed strange to Uriel. No, no, I still carry that, Jack. It's its twin, the Eus Delection. I see, I see. Jack took the blade out of a black cloth that shimmered, almost as if the stars themselves had been woven into it. He ran his hand along it, and it seemed to almost sing in response to his touch. With that, Jack's eyes opened wide. Uriel could see flashes of images in them. Warren, will you take Jonah downstairs and lock this in my safe? Yes, sir. The boys disappeared and Jack looked up. It seems my memory's a little askew as well, <laughs> he said. But as soon as I touched the blade, I remembered everything. Well, it was your partner for a long time, she replied. Yariel? Yes, Jack? There's something, I should say, someone I need to show you. Oh? Jack took Uriel into a separate room, lit solely by candlelight, and brought her over to a small cot nestled in the corner. On it slept a girl, roughly ten, with long red hair. I found her sleeping about a month back in the cemetery. I brought her here because... I remembered bits and pieces of who she was, and I knew I needed to take care of her body. But, until I touched the blade, I didn't remember who she was. Uriel looked over the sleeping girl. She could see by the strange fluctuations in her that she was still very much in chaos. I see. Uriel, before I retired to the cafe, Gorshin brought me this unusual girl who had been ripped from her body when the gate overloaded. Mikhail and I decided to place her in the Eos Delection. And I noticed that you gave her your gift. Why, Jack? You knew doing that would cause you to age and die. Look closely, Jack said. Now Uriel saw it. The girl was very sick. She would only have lived a few months more at best. This is why I extended her life and gave her what she wanted most, to help Mr. Alistair. Jack. I know, I feel it. When I touched the blade, her spirit entered me, or maybe it was there all along. Since the day the sword broke, it would explain how I knew so much. She's been far into the future, that one, Jack replied. Then you also know that when I fuse her spirit into her that... I will die in a few weeks, yes. Her too. But 
I have an idea about that. Jack, I can't revert her to a fox angel. I... Ah, but... Jack, no. And why not? Because... Uriel, Mr. Alistair needs a good friend who is not Jonah. And she could prove useful around that dusty old tower of yours. Jack. Besides, you already have another troubled girl who could also use a friend. Uriel shook her head and laughed. You had this all worked out ahead of time, didn't you? Me? Me? Come on. I'm just an innocent old man. <laughs> the two laughed and he said, We better get back to the boys. Oh, Jack. Yes? Your grandson. Ah, you noticed, huh? Yes. May I give him a gift before I go? It's different from the one I gave you, but it will prove useful to him in the years to come. Yes. Warren is going to walk a very different path than the one I have. I've done my best by him, and soon, unfortunately, I will no longer be able to watch over him. At least not, uh, directly. They spent the next few hours after that talking and reminiscing about how they met and on some of the crazy things Jack had done. Finally, Uriel said, It's time we were on our way. She returned to the still-sleeping Sam. Jack, it's time. Please place your hand on her forehead. As he did so, once again, the images she had seen flash through his eyes now seemed to jump from him and into the girl. And slowly but surely, the girl yawned and sat up. Where am I? She was more than a little bit confused. The last thing she remembered was jumping into the gate to help Mr. Alistair. Uriel instantly read her heart's desire and said, Don't worry. You'll see him soon enough, but first... I think it's only right we make one stop before we go. Go? Sam asked. Yes. To my home. It's a place outside of time. You can stay there for a while. The three left the cottage and Uriel brought them in a more conventional way to the cafe. She didn't want to risk exposing Sam to the time corridor any more than she already had. And since the cafe no longer had a gate, it was just easier to fly. Terence was just about done polishing the top of the coffee bar when he looked up to see Jonah holding the hand of the archangel Uriel and Sam. As if she knew, Caitlin was already racing down the stairs crying out, Sam, she said as she flung her arms around the girl's small neck. Terence put down the rag and bowed politely at Uriel. Unusual visitor indeed, Jack, he thought to himself as he offered her a seat and she graciously declined. She briefly went over in detail about what Jack had asked of her, and both Caitlin and Terence looked at each other and nodded. He went behind the coffee bar and produced a package. It was wrapped and ready for Jonah. Mr. Alistair stopped in a few days ago and informed us of his address change, and we guessed that you'd be joining him too, Terence said. Jonah opened up the package and looked at a beautiful dark brown cloak. We wanted you to have something to remember us by, Caitlin said, tears filling her eyes. Jonah barely managed a thank you and put it on. It was enormous on him. They laughed and said, well, you'll grow into it. Caitlin and Sam hugged endlessly, but Caitlin 
knowing why and where she was going, it gave her a tremendous sense of comfort. It's going to be lonely around here for a little bit, Taryn said. We had just gotten accustomed to having such a large group and now it's just back to the two of us. Uriel smiled. Don't worry. Jonah and I will be stopping in from time to time. Good. We look forward to seeing you both. There was one last group hug and well wishes, and then Uriel raised her sword into the air. Jonah gave the cafe one last look as he, Uriel, and Sam now moved sideways and out of existence. On the other side, he found himself on the edge of an old wood and a winding road looking up at an ancient structure that seemingly reached into the heavens itself. Just outside it, he could see someone approaching at an incredible speed. He hadn't even come into full view when Sam cried out, Mr. Alistair, and ran headlong towards him, tears streaming down her face. Here is where this story ends. Jonah would stay and train with Mr. Alistair and Uriel at the tower. Sam, when they had downtime, would drag Mr. Alistair off for tea, a picnic or a romp in the fields, while she could never go home or back into our world or time. Part of her still endlessly traveled across time and space, helping Jonah and Mr. Alistair, and yes, even Terence and Caitlin, although they never really knew who the angel in blue was. Only Jonah knew. Maggie spent very little time at the tower. She left back to our world, looking for solace and healing. Jack died a few days later. Giving up his gift meant the end of his days. And Warren Stevens? Well, that's a story for another time. Well, children, it seems our time together has drawn to a close. And I'm not even an artist! <laughs> I will miss all Tentacle Tuesday gatherings, but alas, Mr. Williams is taking a break to work on a different project. Does this mean no more creepy podcast or your loving host, Lord Piotra? No, it does not as we shall return late next spring with the next exciting chapter in this story, Detective Warren Stevens and the Cullen Files, as not all that is dead stays that way. <laughs> Until then, thank you so much for listening. Now, Lord Piotra, out. <laughs>